Let's get ready to roll. Lead Like a Lady features amazing women at the top of their game who know what it's like to be the only woman in the room. They're here to share their stories, inspire greatness, and provide advice to all the women coming up behind them. Now, here's your host, Army veteran and retired FBI assistant special agent in charge, Gina L. Osborne. Welcome to Lead Like a Lady. I'm your host, Gina L. Osborne. Today is our Marketing, Media, and Money Day with award-winning strategist, Patty Farmer. Patty's also an international speaker, podcast host, magazine publisher, event producer, and best-selling author. If you want to monetize your talents, Patty is a leading expert. She'll share her expertise in how to market yourself and your business, determine your wealth, and build relationships that will turn your vision into reality. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you so much for having me, Gina. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad you agreed to come on the show because you are extraordinary at your craft. Patty, what inspired you to get into the marketing and media arena? I have six daughters. So for me, that was really, really big. When I decided that I was going to use my voice, I had several things that happened to me in my past as I was growing up that really tried to deafen my voice right? I was actually called Chatty Patty when I was growing up and my parents actually tried to buy me to be quiet <laughs> and it never worked. <laughs> it never actually worked, but I always grew up thinking that I should be quiet. As I grew older, I realized that I should just be following the status quo, right? Don't make any waves, Patty. And for me, that was really hard because my why has always been to find a better way, that this isn't the only way right? I always like to say, I love working with action takers, decision makers, and rule breakers, because I believe you don't have to do it the way everybody else does. And when I hear people say, oh, I want to think outside the box, I say, why is there even a box? Kick that box to the curb. You don't have to do it the way everybody else does. Define it for yourself, right? You don't have to reinvent ice cream, just make your own flavor. And so for me, that was what was really important. But my whole life, it was like, be quiet, be quiet, and as I got older, I just knew, no, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm just not because I didn't want anyone to quiet my children. And I wanted my girls to know that they could do anything they wanted to do. They could have anything they wanted to have. And it would only be defined by how much work and vision and the decision that they made if they wanted to have it. And so I wasn't going to let somebody else tell them. And I wasn't going to let a man tell them. That is so powerful. I'm a big believer in paying attention to key events in your life because if they stick with you and they don't go away, then there's probably some profound lesson you're supposed to be learning before you move on. As a marketing strategist, what advice do you give people who are just starting out with a new business? Well, one of the things that I think we need to start with, and this is kind of something that's super important to me is that you need to start by designing the lifestyle you want to live. So that's what I always like to tell my clients. Design the lifestyle you want to live, and then let me help you build a business that supports that lifestyle, not the other way around. You know, because you can actually have a job, you can have a job that and be very, very successful and still not have the lifestyle you want because it owns you. 
So I always like to say, let's start with the lifestyle you want. Some people want to have a yacht and take 10 vacations a year. And then there are some people who really all they want is to get to every one of their kids' soccer games. So you choose, you choose what that lifestyle is going to be. And then let's design the business that will support that. You and I have a lot in common because we both love to work with women. Are there any common mistakes we should know when it comes to marketing? So I've been in the marketing business for over 20 years. And it is something I love because at heart, I'm an educator. And one of the things that is so important to me is that when people make decisions and specifically decisions that are purchasing decisions and decisions that can change their life and their business, it's really important for me for them to know what they're getting into. So I've always been an educator. And then when the media came around, and I don't just mean social media, I mean media, media, right? It was such a great way to be able to leverage. But I realized that so many people and specifically so many women really didn't know how to do it or how to embrace it because they really weren't used to talking about themselves. They really weren't used to tooting their own horn or or just stepping up and saying, hey, I can do that. And not only that, Gina, but they weren't used to charging what men were able to charge. And so for me, that was huge. That's something I don't like hearing. Why is that? I think the reason is because when a woman goes out and does her research and she's looking to decide what she should be charging, she almost always goes and asks her friends and she asks other women. She finds people who are similar to her and then she goes and looks at their website. I have to tell you, less than 1% of the women that I've talked to, when I ask them when we're going over a pricing strategy for them, when I'm working with them on that, I'll say, oh, well, where did you get this price? And almost always, oh, I was talking to my friend. I was talking to this person who does that. I looked on social media, somebody who I admire, and I went and looked at their website. And I'll ask them, have you ever gone and looked at any male sites of somebody who does what you do that's male? And they'll be like, no, I, I don't because I'm a woman, <laughs> right? And so I think that's very, very interesting. And if you if they did go look, they would see that men usually charge more and are not afraid to ask for what they know that they are worth, where for some reason a woman doesn't. And because she thinks that she's helping someone, a lot of times her roadblock is that she'll get in her own way and she'll think, oh, how can I charge that when I'm helping someone? But the reality really is, Gina, that when you do well, you can do good. And you're not going to be able to help other people or to do any type of philanthropy if you're not charging your worth. And the people you really want to work with and are literally out there praying for someone to help them, those could be the people that you can help. And when women don't step in and lean in to what they're worth and charging what they're worth, they don't get to help them. I like to think we eventually evolve into our own self-worth over time, but we can't let a lack of confidence turn into imposter syndrome because once we go down that rabbit hole, it's hard to get out. You know, I did it myself. I never would have thought that I did, but when I first became a speaker, I used to, every time I got on stage, I was always waiting for someone to jump up and call BS. I just thought, oh, they're not going to agree with me. You know, they're going to have a different point of view. And that's okay. Because the reality is that's how you become an authority. How you become an authority is when 
you have something to say that is your point of view. So somebody who is just an expert, that is somebody who is an expert at something they do. Everybody should be an expert at whatever it is that they're doing, I'd like to think. But how you become an authority is when you're an expert and you are able to influence other people and specifically influence them into making a purchasing decision. So I think it's really, really important that when we have imposter syndrome, we think we don't have anything to say. Why should they listen to me? And a lot of that, I think, stems from when we're younger, right? You know, and so we grew up not really believing in what we had to say. And I know, like I said, I thought it was me too. I was always afraid that somebody was doing that. And then I just really realized that you don't have to think like everybody else. Be different. There is somebody out there who is looking for you. And I know for myself as a speaker, I used to think to myself, oh, Patty, you're just not eloquent enough. You know, you're not going to be able to make this pregnant pause and make three points, wear a soap opera dress, like I like to say, right? You know, that just wasn't me. And I hired somebody to help me through that. And then I learned that it wasn't changing me. It was really speaking in front of people who needed to hear it the way I spoke it. And so that is what I'm going to say. The number one way to get rid of that is to actually know who your people are to find that. And when you know who your people are, spend your time in front of them. They will love you. Those are the people who want you, who love you, who like the way that you are saying that. And one of the best ways to do that, if you've been in business for a little bit, is to really look at the testimonials that you've ever gotten, any recommendations, any reviews that you've ever gotten, and look at the words that they use when they're reviewing you or leaving you a testimonial or talking about you. What are their words? You know, a lot of times when people are crafting a marketing message without help, like they're doing it themselves, what they do is they think up words that they think sound good, or they think up words that this is what I want to be, or this is who I am, I think, right? Or this is what people hire or whatever these reasons are. But the reality is ask them, you know, back in the day when I had a marketing company, but I also owned a mortgage company at that time before 2008. And one of the things I noticed was people love titles. And when I was doing that, people would want to be a mortgage specialist, a mortgage architect. You would not believe the titles because it made them feel good, right? It made them feel good to have that title and to put it on their business card. And I used to tell them all the time, I think that's great if that's what you want to do. But the thing you got to know is that when somebody wants to buy a house, they're looking for a loan officer. Nobody ever goes into Google and types mortgage architect. Right. So you have to kind of think about why you're doing it. You know, sometimes are you doing it because you want to feel good? Is that why you chose that title? And really knowing how you serve, how you want to serve and who you serve. And then really getting really clear on the words that people describe you and then making that work for you, because those are your people and those are the people who want to hire you. It makes all the difference in the world when you find those people. Isn't that how you know that you're on the right track for success? How you're going to know that you're successful and feel good about yourself and get past that imposter syndrome is when you see results that you get for someone. But how you get results for them, for what they're looking for, is when your messaging matches up to their mission. 
That's when results happen. And that's when they are going to feel really good about hiring you. Thus, you're going to feel really good about yourself and what you're doing. And we always feel really good. And as we get older, we always have like that go-to outfit, right? When you're going to go on that interview or you're, you know, you're going to go someplace special, you put that outfit on, you always feel better with that outfit on, right? That's my go-to. I feel good in this outfit. That's kind of what having your marketing nailed does for you, right? You know that all these things are working for you. And when they are, they're setting you up for success if they're genuine, right? If that's genuine, not if you just go to somebody's website and say, oh, I love the way they say that. Oh, I want to do that. And you just come up with all these marketing messages and they're really not you. That's going to really pack you down in imposter syndrome because you know you're not really that. Where instead, take the time and know we all have unique gifts and there's people out there that want what we can help them with. So if we can get that marketing message out there and get in front of them, that's where the magic happens. Knowing and developing your personal brand is so important. What are some tips when it comes to marketing yourself? So I think that one of the ways that people really need to market themselves and one of the biggest mistakes they make. So I'm always going to tell you what not to do first, which is don't read your own press, right? I think a lot of times people read their own press. And I think that that is a mistake because either you will look at it and go, oh, wow, that's not really me. And it is you, but it's marketing messaging, right? Which is a little bit different than when we just talk like we're talking right now and that you're speaking to the right person. Also, that you're speaking to the right person at the right time. There's five stages in the customer journey. Sometimes they're just building awareness. Sometimes they're evaluating and sometimes they're ready to purchase. And if you're talking to them like they're ready to purchase and they're really just getting aware, then it doesn't work. And then what happens is a lot of times we will give up. It's really, really clear on what our goal is, making that decision, understanding the customer journey and fine tuning the message for yourself and for what you do and how you serve. And then to be able to know who you're talking to, who is the demographic. And I know a lot of times when people talk about this, they talk about demographics, psychographics, but the key is really in knowing the behaviors of who your ideal client is. And that's more than just focusing on your target market. I actually think that's just a baby step. We really need to be focusing on our target buyer, right? Because your target buyer is somebody who is having a problem that you have a solution to, but they're actively looking for a solution. So that messaging is totally different than say somebody who has a problem that you have a solution to and they don't even know they have the problem. So focusing on that and getting your messaging clear would be how I would say they really do need to market themselves and then know how to leverage every single thing you do before, during, and after. So whether you're on a podcast, speaking from a stage, getting interviewed for a publication, whatever it is, you should be talking about it before, during, and after. And then probably the biggest marketing tip I would say is to really be able to market yourself in the environment that we are in right now. I believe that relationships are the currency. And with that said, you need to be building relationships with people who are influencers and industry experts that serve the same audience as you 
in a little bit different way. It's okay if you overlap a little bit, that is totally okay, but you really want to be building relationships with them and the best way to promote yourself is by promoting others, not just randomly promoting others, but promoting others who serve your market as well, but in a completely different way. Both your podcast and your magazine are called Marketing, Media, and Money. How do we factor in the money part when we're talking about all of this? Oh, I really, really love this question. <laughs> so I think that's actually, if I had a superpower, I would say my superpower is that you have to know how to monetize everything. Some of the biggest things when I talk to my clients, when they first hire me is that they'll say, oh, Patty, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm still only making $50,000 a year or whatever that number is. And then when I look at all the things they've done, like they're sitting on a million dollars. They just don't know how to get the message out. They just don't know how to do all the things. I know this past year, that's what is happening for a lot of people who are pivoting, right? I always say, profit, not pivot. You don't have to pivot everything. You just really have to think about how you're going to monetize it. But the challenge comes with turning that vision into a reality. You have to be able to take that vision and break it down into bite-sized actionable items, right? And as long as you just break it down and then just every day work on something, like moving your forward. But what happens is a lot of times we only want to work on the fun stuff. We only want to work on the stuff that we like to do, right? And that's where you need to get your business to a point where you can outsource all the things you are not good at or all the things that you don't like to do. I always call that you need to stop licking your own envelopes as quickly as possible. Now, I got to tell you, people would be surprised if they hear this. I don't like tech. I love tech and everything it does. And I can talk about it all day long, but I don't even like to upload blogs on the back end of my own website. I hire someone to do that because I like to stay in the creative zone all the time to talk about how can I help you to monetize your business? How are we going to market this? How could we leverage this in the media? How can we do that? And if I have to stop and think about, oh, how are we going to do this on your website? And how are we going to do this? Like that just kills my creative zone. And so know what you're good at. You know, some people are very, very techie. Some people are very, very creative. But whatever you're not, that is a criteria on the list of when you're hiring someone. So if you're very, very techie, hire a marketing person or a coach or whatever you need that is very, very creative. If you're super, super creative and you don't like tech, you need to make sure that you hire a virtual assistant that has some tech skills because you can have all the great ideas. And if you can't figure out how to do a landing page and how you're going to get them out there and you have all these action steps, but you're still stuck for you know two months on how to write an autoresponder, it's not going to work. It's not going to monetize. So you have to know all of the things and you have to know where should I spend my time. So I like to call that working in your brilliance and hiring other people to work in theirs. And you can start very, very small. Like, you know, sometimes you can just hire someone for two hours a month just to work on the things that you need to move yourself forward. Don't look at the big picture, have the steps and just take one step, one step, one step, Every single day, put one foot in front of the other and you'll get there. But you need a team of people. I always like to say, if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a tribe to build a business. You don't have to do it by yourself. What if you can't afford to hire that team? 
So here's what happens. Every time I have an idea or I'm going to do something, I sit down and I say, okay, this is what needs to happen. This is what I want to do. Of the things that it's going to take to get this done, what are the skill sets that I have that I'm really good at and I can help move it along at the pace it needs to be? And I write those down. And then I write down and I say, what are the obstacles going to be? What's going to get in my way? Oh, I'm going to have to write copy for a landing page and then an autoresponder. And then I'm going to need somebody techie to create that landing page for me, put it on the back end of my website, blah, blah, blah. Right? So I look at those. So you know what I do? So the first thing I do is, oh, I don't need to do this by myself. Who do I know that's a great copywriter? And who do I know that's a really great tech person? And I have those people and I collaborate with them all the time. And we do things together. And this is a great thing to do when you're starting out or when you're not at the success level that you want to be at. Even where I am now, I still love to get to someone. And a lot of times the people that I'm reaching out to, maybe they're not quite at my level yet. And I'm able to say to them, hey, here's what we can do. How about we do this project together? I'll do all the marketing for it. You write all the copy and then you're going to take care of all the tech stuff. And guess what? It gets done very, very quickly and we all make money and we serve so many more people. And because our businesses kind of overlap and we have the same audience, we're all promoting it. So it expands our audience. It puts us in front of other people and we're promoting others, which thus promotes ourselves. So if you know the things that you don't do well, that's fabulous because now you should be building relationships with people who excel at those things and then collaborate with them. That is brilliant. How many times do we get stopped dead in the water because we say, oh, I can't do that. And so we're done. We just throw up our hands and we just don't do it. Right, because we're only going to do the things that we love. And I learned that way, way back when I was, before I owned the mortgage company, one of the things that I really learned was that the processor who processes the loans and moves them forward, right? So they close faster, right? They look at this file and they tell us, oh, this is how we want you to give it to us. And then, you know, loan officers, they give it to them. It doesn't look very good. It's not in the right order. So when they do it, this girl, I took her out to lunch once and she said to me, you know what I love? I love when I pick up a file and it has everything in the order of how I need to do it. And then on the front page, there's a story where they're telling me the story of their client and it makes sense to me. So I know exactly why they're doing it. When she told me that, I literally went back to my desk and put everything from then on in, made myself a checklist of what the order is that we need to have everything in. And I wrote a story about every single one of my clients. And you know what happens? She always picked up mine first because she knew that when she opened them up, they were going to be nice and clean. Nobody wants to open up one that's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so much work, right? And I learned that lesson early on. I applied it to every other area of my business. Have a process, right? And if you have a process, it works. And every time I closed a loan, every time I've closed a deal, everything that I do when it's over, whether I'm doing an event or a podcast interview, it's like, what could I have done better? Like what didn't go as well as I would have liked it to? What question did I ask that maybe I should never ask again? <laughs> what question worked really well I should be asking more often, right? So there's all these different things and you always want to learn from every single thing. And so once I got really good at doing that, I got better all the time. And so it is something that I've applied to pretty much every area of my life and it has really served me well. 
Yes. So here's a challenge out to everybody who's listening is that one thing that's holding you back, either figure out how to do it or find somebody who knows how to do it that you can collaborate with. That's the key, really, honestly. We don't have to do it ourselves. And I have to tell you, if you are in you know, relatively early stages of your business, so say less than two years, right? And so you're in investing in a lot of different things. Collaborating with somebody is also a good way where more than one person is putting in. Now, you have to make sure that you have the right agreements and all that kind of stuff. But really, it is a good way to make sure that the investment is easier on everybody because you're sharing the expenses, you're sharing the expanding of your reach, and it really, really works well. As you get more successful, you will still do that same collaboration strategy. You'll just do it in a different way. Like one of the things now is, you know, say you're a six-figure business owner, right? And you want to be a seven-figure business owner. It's really about surrounding yourself with those people. So you really need to ask yourself, this is where time is super important, right? You know, a lot of times, you know, the old adage we've all heard about, oh, all the things happen when we have coffee, that's where business happens. Well, I'm going to say that's pretty old school because how many times have you ever had coffee with someone, whether it's in person or virtual, and you thought there's 90 minutes of my life, I'll never get back. That's because you didn't pre-qualify them, right? You need to know, why am I meeting this person? Ask yourself, why? What's the objective here so that you know? So take that a little bit of extra time in the beginning, and it'll save you a lot of time and money later on so that you're not committing to anything and you know whether they're the right person. So for me, it's always like, okay, so here's my objective that I want to do. What is going to really make this super, super successful? What's going to make me get it to the marketplace faster? Who serves besides me that demographic? And here's a perfect example. I see a lot of people on social media in groups. So whether it's LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, then they're in there in groups trying to find clients by, you know, posting when people ask questions and spending all this time doing that. That's one way to do it. Or you could have your own group and invite people to your group. Or if you didn't want to do that, one of the things that I have found really great success with is getting to know the host of the group. So if somebody else has a Facebook group and they have 5,000 people in that Facebook group that are your people, right? Her demographic is your demographic. Why go in there and try to talk to all 5,000 of those people when you could just talk to the host of that group and say, you know what? We both serve the same people, but in a different way. What could we do together? Why don't we do a Facebook Live and stream it into your group and my group? And that way I'll put you in front of my audience and you put me in front of your audience. And then you spend the same amount of time and you've now like double or tripled your reach and you're kind of endorsing each other too. And now you don't have to do all that work. I think that's a great strategy. And I think women, we want to help each other. I'm not saying men don't, but I'm just saying that women, it's an easier ask a lot of time because women are so much more emotional and then they justify with data. You know, we make emotional decisions and we justify with data. And because we know that, it really works well when you're reaching out to other women who are in that scenario I just talked about where they are serving the same audience as you say, Hey, I really love it. I think that we could really explore some possibilities of how we could work in the playground together. Right. I always call that the JV sandbox, right? Joint ventures. Like how can we do it? 
and you know, what are you good at? You know, what are you really, really good at? What don't you like? And sometimes we can just be us. Sometimes we need to bring in a third person because we'll both not like to do something. That's the same something, right? You know, but that's okay. And then when it's like, oh, well, who else can we bring in? Well, who else do we know that might have another Facebook group that we could invite them into? And maybe we could have a summit. So there's a lot of different things that you can do, but I think you just need to get really clear on what you're good at, really clear on what you're not, and that's okay. Don't beat yourself up for that. That's an opportunity. Flip the switch on that mindset shift. Everything that you know you don't do well, that's your weakness, so to speak, that's not your strength, great. That's an opportunity for you to bring somebody else in who does have that strength. So just changing that mindset right there is huge. And I think that's pretty much the first step. And if somebody could do that right there, they'll see increased results and revenue for sure. Patty, this was all great, great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I truly value you as a listener and would love to show my appreciation. Visit me at GinaLosborn.com and I will send you a free ebook called Five Strategies to Navigate a Male-Dominated Workplace. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and are feeling inspired, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite listening platform. Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne is produced and edited by Lisa Osborne. Theme music is Leading Lady by retired IRS criminal investigation attache Clarissa Balmaceda featuring Alex Castillo. Find us on social media through GinaLOsborne.com slash Lead Like a Lady. And don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Lead Like a Lady with Gina L. Osborne wherever you get your podcasts.